0: My wife and I were just watching the movie Silent last night when there was really, really heavy pers- Christian persecution in Japan. Um, a priest went missing of the specific order and then two two younger priests that were under his tutelage went into Japan to, to go find him. And just the dynamic, it, like we, we said to each other, it would be really, really hard. It was a It's a Martin Scorsese, or however I say his last name, yeah. movie. And I mean, it would have been so difficult to make this movie, like just looking at all the elements and how all the things that play into it and whether it's like something like that where it's more historical and serious or you take something with crazy Avengers or something with a ton of (laughs) CGI and all this, like the technology is just like booming in terms of the depth and the quality and the all the things that make up story and that to convey it to us. And so I just I think the possibilities are, are huge now just with how accessible everything is.
1: Dan Moyle. So thank you for joining me today on the storytellers Network podcast. I'm so glad that you're here to listen to this today's guest. Uh, in this episode we hear from a former teacher turned marketer slash podcaster/ slash teacher of podcasting uh, and dad. He wears a lot of hats uh, and, and one of those hats that you'll hear him reference is a storyteller. So today Jeff Large shares with the storytellers network his storytelling craft, his successes and stumbles, his insights and advice, in other words, his story. Now before we do get into today's conversation, just a reminder real quick to find us online at thestorytellersnetwork.com for more episodes, how to contact me, uh, other resources to help you be a more effective storyteller. And if you like what we're doing here, please consider leaving us a review. It does help us reach new storytellers. You can leave those reviews on Apple Podcasts, on our Facebook page, uh, in Google Play, wherever you want to leave that. So we appreciate that. Now, without further ado, let's get to our stories. thanks for joining me Jeff In my intro I talked about you know everything that you do but um, I want to start with uh, where you are geographically because to me storytellers those who help storytellers can be anywhere in the world so where are you geographically right now Jeff
0: I'm actually pretty close to you in Grand Rapids Michigan we're only about <laughs> maybe 45 minutes away depending on how fast you're driving
1: I won't tell you how fast I drive um, one thirty one <laughs> is <laughs> uh yeah yeah so you're in Michigan when we talked uh, a few months ago, when I was on on one of your shows, actually, uh, it was really cool to meet somebody in the podcast world from Michigan. Little that I know that there are quite a few of us. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a good good network here.
1: That's yeah, very cool. So Grand Rapids, Michigan. So you can. So now, do you work with people in the podcast world from around Grand Rapids as well, or do you work worldwide?
0: Um, I'd say it's more worldwide in terms of us as an agency, like our own team. We have people in Grand Rapids. So there's the people on my team that I work with, obviously. And then several people throughout the States. And then we have some connections in South Africa and the Philippines. Very cool. And then, and your clients are everywhere. Your
1: storytellers that you work with are everywhere. So. Um, yeah, they
0: happen to be everywhere too. I was going to say, we've actually had a really big uptick in people in California. So I don't know what's going on, but people all, I, I have had my three most recent clients have been all been from California. So it's kind of neat. Oh, interesting. Very cool. Um, so, when when we talked about this show,
1: about Storytellers Network, uh, did you automatically think of yourself as a storyteller or do you think of yourself as a storyteller? Was this a surprise that I wanted you to be on my show?
0: Um, I see it as one of the hats that I wear, but it's not like a primary thing that I can cons- say. I don't go around like day to day thinking that, I hey, I'm a storyteller, but I do recognize um, just with my background and everything that it's sort of a necessary part of what I do.
1: So let's dive in a little bit to your background. What, what part of your background connects itself to being a storyteller?
0: Uh, I'd say three. There's probably three pillars that I would consider. The first one and the easiest one would be teacher. Uh, my whole background is in language arts. And so that's just basically reading, writing, literature, um, all of that. And so I studied that, almost had my master's in that and taught it for roughly... Four seven ish years, and um, that's that's the number one. So just being able to understand and read a lot of good story, convey good story, tell good story, and teach good story was probably the biggest biggest avenue. Um, the next one would be just with I do what I do now with our agency. We create podcasts for brands that type of thing, and it's not always a means of storytelling, but sometimes it is depending on what the goal of the client is. And so that's another more day-to-day type thing. And then I'd say the final one is more personal. Um, And even in getting kind of prep for this interview, I usually tell stories to my kids uh, every night as part of our bedtime routine. Uh, We have like kind of ongoing sort of uh, Tolkien or C.S. Lewis-esque type woodland characters. My son was actually just arguing with me the other day that I need to turn it into like a wind in the willows style of story. Cause they both have their, it's, they've been ongoing for years now and it's crazy how much it's progressed. And so we've joked about turning it into different things. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, I love the idea of using
1: storytelling across all different areas of your life. And you know, I tell stories to my kids so I, I can totally relate to that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so when are you going to, are you still so going to be audio book or do you want to write a book then?
0: What are you gonna do? Oh, I. I them. don't know. I, I'll do so, I'll do something for them. It'll it'll be. I'll be reluctant. It'll be very much like a, <laughs> like they like I said, like Lewis's. Uh, or who was it? was it? It was both of them, wasn't it? That didn't um, I'm stumbling over my words here. Didn't Lewis invite Tolkien? He was like, no, you need to write Lord of the Rings, or was it the other way around? I think it was Lewis asking him to, if I remember right. I know they were friends, and, yeah, yeah, a lot
1: of connections. I'm pretty, there. I'm
0: pretty sure he like pushed into to writing it, so if anything, I'd be very reluctant. Um, I'll do something for him. I'm not sure what medium I would go with yet. Yeah, that's fun. Um, I've only recently discovered the fact that uh, you know
1: I, I've always seen podcasts as an interview type thing or a uh, where a host just pontificates on whatever they're an expert on. Um, I've discovered audio dramas, and it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. That's a cool way to tell stories too. So anyway, um, so so where does where do you think that begins for you, Jeff? Is it is it you started seeing yourself as sort of a storyteller as a teacher? Or was it before that? I mean, is it as a parent and you've u- learned to use it elsewhere? Or where does that start for you?
0: I don't, I don't know how it wouldn't start anywhere besides your childhood for yeah. anyone. It's like we have different inclinations. And so I think at our nature, I mean, I guess I've never really thought, thought through this stuff until right now in the moment so I might change my mind in the future but I feel like everybody starts out as a storyteller in the same way that everyone is an artist everyone is a magical dancer and it's like something happens along the way where we start to separate ourselves from these identities because I even look at say my there's a huge difference between my daughter who's five and my son who's about to be 13 in terms of like how they identify. And my daughter is anything she wants to be. And my son is much more clear about what his strengths are that are developing and what they're not. And so I think we all start as storytellers in that capacity as young. And then it's just sort of what your mindset and tendencies and goals and things are as you grow. And for me, I've always appreciated reading and writing and so it's that aspect of me never left whereas I could see it leaving other people or I have friends and acquaintances that they would not consider themselves storytellers just because their mind works in a different way
1: yeah and and how do you make the kind of jump for someone who is a storyteller from being that uh personal storyteller as a, as a hobby or just as as a, as an artist, as a talent to using it in the world to tell more effective stories. Like you're, you've now gone from that storyteller into helping others tell their story as brands through podcasting, this kind of thing. How did you make that jump?
0: Man, uh, that's huge. I don't, I can't pinpoint a specific thing. It's, it's a matter of like any art, you perfect your craft over time. You, you research it, you learn, you practice. In whatever way you happen to approach it, you just get better. And so for me, it was a, both a means of, personally, I love learning and I wanted to improve. And the things that I do invest my time on, I want them to, I want to be great, Adam. I want to be the best that, I don't want to be the best, but I want to be the best that I can be, if that makes sense, like what my capabilities allow me. And then part of it was a need of realizing that there were certain issues that I had to solve or problems that I needed to solve for my clients or for myself as a business owner, and then allowing the strengths within story to solve those things or be part of the solution. Yeah. Do you
1: find that you use that storytelling as a
0: business owner in talking to clients in some way? Yeah. Yeah. It's not intentional um, per se, but. I think as a business owner, you look at it, maybe, maybe two, I've put it in two different buckets. On one hand, there's sort of the rote script that we have of the things that we solve or that we do and how we approach it and the format. And that gets into even what we were talking about before the interview, um, sort of the Donner, Donald Miller story brand style. Like you have this kind of XYZ pitch, whatever you want to call it, that you're, you're throwing at them. And that's more refined, hopefully more refined and, and standard. But then there's the other element of it when you can be intentional, where when you're actually just telling a story or giving an example, the difference between rambling and just sort of saying what comes to mind versus almost an awareness of it, like being attentive to what you're saying and then trying to position it in a way or craft it in a way that it's easier to follow for the audience. Like It's very much audience-intended. Um, I guess when I think of it that way, when I, when I think of actually conveying a story, it has little to do with me and much, much more to do with the audience and t- like, like the whole thing, whatever I'm saying could be completely about me, but I'm purposely crafting it in a way with the audience in mind based on their needs. Cool. That's good stuff.
1: Um, so whether it's you, you're talking to your kids, just about storytelling, whether it's talking to a client, like you just referenced, or whether it's teaching, like you were a former teacher, what is it about storytelling that you really love? Is it all different or is it one particular thing that you love about any way you tell a story?
0: There's a few things. One, I think, is the clarity that a good story can bring. Hmm. And so across all of those mediums, if you're telling a good story, it's relatable. Um, It it doesn't matter who you are or where you came from. There's, and this is going to get real kind of high level for a minute but i mean it's like there's just kind of commonalities that we have within the human experience that we all can connect to like we've all despite our culture have felt things concrete emotions like love or fear or loss and good stories will build on foundational elements and become accessible to a wide group of people or even on the flip, maybe they're intended for a niche audience. Like I just came across this really, really funny uh, Twitter account the other day. I forget what it's called now. It's like, basically they've done a merge of, and I'll have to let you know for your show notes after the fact, because it's absolutely worth looking at. But it's like just really stupid little gifs that they've made. And they've merged the freelance world and Star Wars. And they've taken all these Star Wars clips and then given very specific, like, dialogue back and forth between characters that are completely relative to anybody that does freelance work and so that's like a very niche story and anyone that's a freelancer can completely relate to what they're talking about but it's just like the clarity there is so good and so whether it's a broad clarity or a niche clarity there's that part of it um Remind me the beginning of the question because I just got lost in some magical <laughs> thought.
1: I love it. I love getting lost like that. Uh, I just, I just want to know what you love about storytelling, whether, whether it's professional, personal. What, so, you know, the, oh, the, connect, the connection, okay. the com- commonality of humans. That's a, yeah, that's yeah, a great yeah. way. So that's, that's
0: a big one. It brings us together and then it's understandable. It, it connects a lot of people on a lot of different planes. The other thing I think is the aspect of adventure. Um, we all need a little more adventure in our lives. I feel like um, it's very easy to just get stuck in whatever routines that you are and go through the day to day without being aware and thinking a whole lot and a good story, whether it's like you're getting lost in a good story. I mean, that's why we go to movies and watch TV shows and it's to just get immersed in something Um, that's really fun. But I think even maybe more than that, opposed to opposed to going somewhere else, like watching a movie in order to escape is one thing. And I don't think it's bad but there's another thing to like view life as a story or to tell tell whatever it is you're saying as a story like i could tell you what happened this morning and go through like fact based blah 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 but i also could craft it in a way that all of a sudden like you and i are just like engaging on another level and so that sense of adventure and fun that it can bring to a normal situation or any situation is really enjoyable for me too
1: yeah that's good. I like that. I like, I love the idea of connecting, right? And like you said, whether it's connecting with your kids, connecting with an audience through Twitter and, and connecting to unlike things to connect even deeper or what, you know, like that. Yeah. Storytelling. It does bring us together. Doesn't it? That's mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so on, on the converse of that,
0: what do you see as a challenge with storytelling? Doing it well, I think hands down is the hardest thing. There's a lot of factors, and by no means am I even a fantastic storyteller. Um, I work at it, and I, and I try, but I think it's not something that I dedicate all my time to, and it's absolutely something you could dedicate all your time to if you wanted to. Um, you think of just really great storytellers. Even you take somebody like, um, I forget the gentleman's name, but from the NPR show or whatever it is, Prairie Home Companion. Mm-hmm. Or you, you just take these different people that sort of stand out as iconic storytellers and to really be able to perfect that craft honestly I don't have a whole lot even to say on it because I don't really know where to begin I just know I know it more from a standpoint of breaking down literature and mostly young adult literature and and then some like classics like I like American literature um, a lot so I look at it more of the standpoint of what are the what are the dynamics being used within written story Um, and then the other aspect of it is um, just how it plays, plays out like verbally or whatever. And so I think the verbal piece is what I've been more interested in lately or the, the oral, the kind of oral story or storytelling. Um, but I just don't know. I don't have any concrete like information to give to improve yeah. for anyone. So sorry, <laughs> sorry audience, but
1: you're there's on your lot, own there. Right. Oh, there's a ton of resources out there and you know, we've got some of the storytellers Network.com, and I know you, you know, you help people with, uh, with come alive creatives. So, so finding those resources, it's out there obviously. There's a thing called Google. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, but doing it well is yeah, difficult. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think doing it well is difficult and just being aware that it's not easy and always improving is kind of what I hear you say. Like, you know, I may not be able to give yeah, you
0: all that. That's my mantra. It's like always <laughs> if you're not proving you're dying. Like so I just always want to be growing and I always want to be moving forward. Yeah.
1: So uh how so speaking of moving forward, how does moving the moving forward of media in today's world affect this ancient craft of storytelling?
0: I think it's beautiful. Um you can look at tech you can look at anything in two ways, positive or negative. <laughs> and so I mean like I mean, that's the the short of it and there's always problems everything is going to have an issue even the best most wonderful solutions will have some sort of evil twisted side that we can use it for it's sort of just like a basic truth and so it's a matter of how you approach it and now something with tech and especially tech and storytelling in some ways we've allowed it to we've allowed technology to interrupt that we've allowed it to like we're. it's that whole phrase of like we're more connected than ever but at the same time more further apart than we've ever been um, when you don't actually spend time with humans like face-to-face and, and those types of things. And so on one hand, we can let technology get in the way of all of it. But at the same time, and on the flip side, if you use it properly, if you're using the tech in the right way with something like a podcast, it, all of a sudden it's scalable where, for example, like us two, for us to sit down and this essentially is like us grabbing a coffee together or whatever it might be. And we just happen to be talking about something that we're, we're passionate about. This would be a conversation just lost otherwise if it was not for the technology of audio and podcasting, capturing it. And then not only even sharing it with just an immediate audience or over the radio, I mean, it's accessible to anyone with a smart device all of a sudden. Now, anybody that happens upon your podcast and is listening to your lovely voice talk about story <laughs> and these things, all of a sudden, they they have uh, a, a chance to this impression, and so the fact that it's scalable, I think, is humongous. Uh, we can take things like this, and you can other stuff comes to mind. You take a podcast like your um, like lore or something like that along those lines, where like you're actually again conveying facts, but then all of a sudden you're bringing in music and all these other dynamics that just make it possible and then even with the the way that we're able to tell stories via the movies and television shows and my wife and i were just watching the movie silent last night um it's just looking it's basically this it was kind of i forget what the era was i forget what time frame it was but it was when there was really really heavy pers- christian persecution in japan um a priest went missing of the specific order and then two of his like prior um, not disciples, but just kind of like the people that the two, two younger priests that were under his tutelage went into Japan to, to go find him. And just the dynamic, like we, we said to each other, it would be really, really hard. It was a, it's a Martin Scorsese or however I say his last name movie. And I mean, it would have been so difficult to make this movie, like just looking at all the elements and how all the things that play into it and whether it's like, something like that where it's more historical and serious or you take something with crazy avengers or something with a ton of (laughs) cgi and all this like the technology is just like booming in terms of the depth and the quality and the all the things that make up story and that to convey it to us and so i just i think the possibilities are, are huge now just with how accessible everything is Isn't, and isn't that beautiful
1: that we can take something, a simple story of good versus evil of saving somebody of, uh, you know, and, and make it beautiful on film. We could use audio and Foley artists to create an audio drama. You could just write it and I can see it in my mind. Like there's all these different ways to do it. And I think that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Media, media in general and technology in general can, I like that you said that it's, it can be good
0: or evil. So. Yeah. I was going to say, let me flip it back on you. What's your favorite way to consume story?
1: Uh, I am a sucker for visual. I mean, as much as I love podcasting and being in this world, I'm a sucker for visual. So whether it's TV or film, um, that really helps me, but, but it always comes back to the writing for me. You know, I love stories that are well-written and draw me in through their dialogue, through their, uh, the way it's, it looks. So that's my, probably visual is my favorite. So you know, but it's all different kinds too. I mean, my favorite movie ever is The Crow. But I also love stories like um, Derek from Ricky Gervais. Uh, you know, of course, I'm a big fan of The Office, British and American both. Mm-hmm. But when Ricky did Derek, I just thought it was an incredible story. It wasn't, there were funny moments, but it wasn't funny. But it, was, it drew me in and, and I love how he tells stories. So, yeah, I mean, it's all different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I've really enjoyed audio you know my my oldest daughter uh she'll be 13 soon as well and and she got me into Welcome to Night Vale which is just a great audio drama and then other ones from there i just discovered one called Girl in Space cuz i was at Podfest in in Florida and met the creator of that show and we talked and i just thought okay i'll give it a shot and it's awesome so yeah i'm i'm learning to love audio even more too so it's it's really cool mm-hmm. it's an amazing time to be alive isn't
0: it <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's crazy the podcast space is It's definitely like some people think it's already saturated. It's not like I think from last year, the Triton stuff. I mean, you know, these numbers, too. It's like 38% saturation rate at most at the moment. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, there's some amazing content coming out. Like there are people on their A game um, with the types of podcasts that are, are playing right now. So definitely, it's definitely fun.
1: Yeah. Now, so when it comes to these, these storytelling things and, and whether it's your favorite way to consume or your favorite way to tell, do you find that you need an inspiration of some kind? I always hear the word muse, you know, especially from the, the olden days of, well, my muse is this woman and whatever. Uh, but do you have an inspiration that gets you pumped up for storytelling?
0: Um, well the goal, I mean, that's kind of, that's all it comes down to. This gets more technical again. Mm-hmm. It's just the goal and the goal could be, Something like we need to like for example, if you came to us and you were like, hey, Jeff, I want you to produce a podcast for me. And I really, really want people to uh come to me for this specific thing. It's like, okay, well, we clearly need to build authority for Dan and in this area, and we're gonna tell a story that really will accentuate those aspects of him and then put him in contact with other people that will also accentuate that. And so I mean like it's goal-driven always, but it could be as simple as like going back to my kids, my kids want to laugh. They want to feel suspense. They want to smile. And so I'll craft my story in a way to do that. In terms of, say, the muse, I'm, I'm not of that mindset. Like it, for a long time, back in, back in the day, when I was like <laughs> in middle school and high school and college, I used to write poetry all the time. I was a very big poetry writer and it often would turn into, I was also a musician and it would often turn into the song lyrics that I had. Hmm. And you can play the argument of like, oh, I feel inspired. But no, like any good copywriter knows it's like you just sit down and get to work. Like you can't wait for the muse. You can't wait for these things. And so I always have a purpose of where I'm going. And I always have a goal of where I'm going, whether it's small or small and personal or big and professional. Hmm. Um, but it doesn't matter. I can't wait for, for inspiration to happen upon. It's like you just sit down and get to work. And I mean. Any any good writer that I've ever researched all pretty much say the same thing is like you don't have that luxury to just sit and wait. Like you sit down and you work, and I mean even if ninety percent of your stuff is garbage, once you hit that ten percent and start rolling, or even if you just are doing some rote script for the first hour of your day in order to kind of get your mind back into the the mindset that you need to be, like yeah, you just you get it done. It's a it's like a muscle, right? You got to exercise it. Exactly, very yeah. much. And and I, and I hear
1: you say too that like your inspiration is helping others or serving others whether it's helping your clients or serving your kids with a laugh it's giving back in some way that's kind of what i hear you say is your inspiration is that right? yeah
0: i didn't realize i said that but i think you're right yeah <laughs>
1: like which that, i think makes sense yeah which i think is a beautiful way to just have the world around us you know working so um so you you talked about technical a little bit there uh, i want to get kind of technical for those listeners that are that are thinking okay this sounds great i'm uh, moving forward how are we supposed to get our stories out today um, in this
0: very noisy world? What do you, what would be the most beneficial thing for your audience to know regarding that question? Cause it's pretty broad.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's just, um, I, for me what's valuable is, is kind of understanding that there are many different venues, there are different avenues. There isn't just one answer. Um, and and what would be one place to start? Maybe I guess that makes sense. Okay. Does that kind of answer your question of my question for your yeah. question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I'm going to
0: have, I'm going to have several things to consider yeah. for this. Um, when, anytime I'm approaching something like this, like you just said, there's a a million, there's like literally a million different avenues that you can go. We can do any one of the hundreds of thousands of social media you can do blogging, you can do video, you can do audio, even if we broke it down into the, say, those, like, let's just break it down into those main pillars. You have a lot, a lot of different options. I would look at it in terms of kind of the place that we always begin. And this is the issue that people will have. And this gets more into content strategy, even it'll overlap with story, but it gets into content strategy a little bit. Yeah. So often we'll have an idea and we wake up and we write it or record it or whatever it is. And we put it out there. We hit publish and nobody shows up and then we have to scramble and we push it out to our social media and all this stuff and and maybe a few people show up. We don't, and then then we have questions like, how do you promote, like for me, I see all the time, how do you promote your podcast? Promoting your podcast does not start when the podcast is already launched. It starts with the planning. Like, first of all, again, so much of this is goal-driven. What is your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? Okay, what is necessary for that? Deconstruct it backwards. Typically, there's a target audience involved. Who is your target audience? Where are they? What is it that they're already asking and researching? And so you do all this planning up front and you figure out who it is, what do they need? And so the things that you produce, you're actually creating stuff that they want and that they're already searching for. And it makes your, sure, once you get to a step of promotion, like <laughs> all the promotional material, that becomes way easier. So that's one thing you definitely have to consider. And so I think where to start. Is completely dependent on your plan, your goals, your target audience, and all those things. Because there's certain stuff that I might be producing for one client that we would want to start on social. And maybe we'd want to start on a specific kind of social. Like, again, just to be specific, we have um, one of my clients plans on making, or one person that we're in negotiation with right now plans on making a podcast that's very relative to a specific city and those adjacent cities. We're going to have a much different approach for him. Compared to somebody else who's trying to get, um, one of their goals is being able to network with colleges across the U.S. Like those are completely different goals in terms of where we go and how we present and that type of thing. Yeah, that's a biggie. Another thing that I would take into consideration is what is your biggest domino? Like out of all the things that you have to do and write, which one would you go after first that will make the biggest? dent in everything else. And so when you look at it, um, I'm a huge believer in recycling content. So for me, podcasting makes sense. I mean, this is where I'm going to be a little biased. And obviously, this is what I do full time. So this is why I care about it. But I can start with a podcast. Like let's take your episode right now, for example, we have your episode, it's going to be an audio form. From there, you're likely going to do show notes, possibly transcriptions. And all of a sudden, you, got, you just generated two more pieces of content for very little work based on this primary piece of content. Also, from there, you'll probably do an excerpt. Excerpts are really easy to use on social media. I'm sure between the two of us, there's a few quote-worthy things that we could also use for social media. Yeah. And then you just start to build it out. And So the, we lead with something like the podcast, but and we dump the strategy and stuff into who are you interviewing from episode to episode, etc. But then all the other content just follows suit. And it's a lot more streamlined. The final thing that I would absolutely argue for in this space is that the reason why I prefer podcasting over any other medium, I think in terms of popularity, videos probably got podcasting beat um, in terms of numbers and things. But the difference is Podcasting, two big things stand out for me with podcasting. With video, most of the platforms are competing against themselves. Like a Facebook, if you post a video on Facebook, they're going to favor an organic Facebook video over a YouTube video. Hmm. If you post, um, and it's kind of the same across the board, if you post on LinkedIn, it's going to favor an internal LinkedIn video opposed to a YouTube video. So, they've almost like divided themselves for their own benefit. Clearly they want to support their own platform, but at the same time, it's not to the favor of the users. Like then all of a sudden me as a user, I got to track YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and all these different platforms on separate things. So I'm divided. The Mm -hmm. second thing where with podcasting on the flip side, you have your audio and a single source, and then it's probably living on your website or maybe a third party hosting and then from there, it's linked up through distribution on your iTunes, Stitcher, and all these other platforms, but it's still referencing the single source. So you're able to track all your analytics and all these things from one place, which makes it really nice.
1: Yeah. And
0: then the, the second piece, and then I'll be off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's your soapbox. Go for it. <laughs> I was going to say the second piece, and the one that I find really, really interesting, is there's um, have you ever read the book, um, what is it, Zero to One by Peter Thiel?
1: I've heard of it, I've not read it
0: okay it's really good. I really, really like it. I would recommend it and there's a part in there where he talks about it's either the scale of a scale of competition or competition of scale. I forget the, the arrangement of the words, but it's basically the same thing and he just argues that most of the time we underestimate our competition and so for example, um, we used to have a client several years ago that was the specialty European bakery, and they just viewed only the other specialty bakeries in the area as their competition. When the reality was every location of whatever it was that was selling breakfast or food in the morning was their competition. Mm. Now, in the same way, when you look at it in terms of I'm going to write a blog post and I'm going to do my blog post about storytelling, you might think that, okay, my competition is other blog posts about storytelling. I would argue your competition is anything else that demands attention from your eyes. So whether it's all these other blog posts, it might be social media, I might go down our YouTube hole, I might decide to turn on Netflix, I might go read a book or a magazine. I have to make a conscious decision as a user that I'm going to spend my time reading this post and and dedicate my eyes because it's an independent thing. Whereas audio... The only real competition for audio, the, the unique thing about audio is that you can do it when you're doing other stuff. You can listen to, chances are you're listening to this podcast right now while you're working or working out or in the yard or walking around the house, doing the dishes or driving to work. It, you can't do that with like, you can't read a blo- Hopefully you're not reading a blog post <laughs> while you're driving to work. Yeah. And the fact that that exists, all of a sudden it changes things a bit and your only real competition becomes other audio sources, which would basically be your main things would be other podcasts, audiobooks, or music, like music slash radio. And so all of a sudden, this field that you're up against becomes a lot smaller. And that's just a huge thing. And so you can still build out all those other aspects of it, all the right written aspects and video aspects of it. But for me to start with audio just makes the most sense.
1: Yeah incredibly uh, helpful information. And obviously that's what you do full time. So um, for listeners that are interested, I, I want you to go to uh, comealivecreative.com and, and connect with Jeff because that's just uh, that's just great stuff. Um, so, and, and also obviously you can find your podcast there, that kind of thing. So there's tons of information there. Um, so I want to find out, uh, so you consider yourself a storyteller is one of your hats, but not the only thing. So this may not be quite as powerful as those who maybe are only an author. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to know if you could tell only one last story and you can no longer tell stories. What would that story be or what would that look like? What would
0: that feel like for you? Those were all, what would it be and what would it feel like are two totally different questions. Um.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of one of those things like it's, it's a big question of what would that story be? And some people have answered, well, it, it might be a generic way to tell a story. It might be this, it might be a particular story. So I try to keep it kind of generic, just to see what you feel or what. What do you want
0: to know? I don't want generic. You already you already know that about me. All right, I hit know, me I with know. something specific. What do you What do you really want to know? What Put would your last What would your last story be?
1: You can no longer tell stories. What would that last story be?
0: Uh, probably my conversion story of yeah. who I was and how I found God. And I know not all the not all the listeners out there um, might have a faith background um but it's something that if i can only tell one more story like i'm gonna make it count and it's gonna be that conversion story and my my hope would be that it would inspire others um that's kind of what it comes down to i mean it's uh, to me i guess it's pretty pretty simple like i don't i don't know any other story that's worthy to tell it'd be something something to do with that i mean clearly like there's my my family is just a ginormous piece of my life and Mm -hmm. In all these different things that I'm sure I could get good stuff out of. And they're kind of part of it, anyways. But definitely, definitely just my journey, my journey of where I was and how I got to where I am now, I think mm. would probably be the most powerful thing. Which is very powerful. I mean, whether, whether you, whatever your faith is, whatever
1: that is, that, that story of hope and faith would be a great, a great last story. So that was, that was good. What about, I'm, I'm curious, what about <clears> you? You can only tell one more story. What would it be? It would have to look like a story that focuses on service, uh, serving others. So whether I brought into that elements of my faith journey or parenting or serving veterans or servant leadership, it would have to be somehow a story about serving others so that I would leave that impact of changing the world around you. Right, Is there Um, one that,
0: you can only do one. You just listed like four. Well, it'd
1: be one story that talks about all of it, right? Oh, okay, Um, okay, okay. If it was only one subject that told that story, it would have to be the Honor Flight story. Um, How I, for about four and a half years, worked with an organization. I helped start this organization called Talons Out Honor Flight that was part of this greater organization of Honor Flight, serving World War II veterans. Um, The journey of that has been to serve also then Korean War veterans, and some hubs are even serving Vietnam veterans. And it's taking them to Washington, D.C. Uh, to show them the memorials built in their honor and to thank them for their service and sacrifice, right? And so I, I actually created a story, kind of like, like a TED Talk, but I'm not nearly that effective, um, that tells that story through the eyes of those who have taken that trip. And, and I've told it a few times, and I use, a, I use PowerPoint to, to show pictures, and, and I tell it in a, in a narrative style that makes me choke up makes me laugh. And as I watch the audience, they do the same thing. And it's all about service and serving others. And so that, if that was one, I've had one focus of that story, it'd be that one.
0: Cool. No, oh, I appreciate yeah. that.
1: Yeah. So well, this was fun, Jeff, man. I appreciate you taking time to, to give your storytelling craft a little bit of light and, and share that. Um, I mentioned your website, but what's the best way for listeners to connect with you uh, in, in any
0: way? Uh, I would say one of two places. I'll give you two because there's a lot of other places you can go, but I'll give you two. If you want to connect with me more personally, I would say my personal website. So just jefflarge.com is the -hmm. easiest spot. I write more about a variety of things there. And I have, that's where my personal podcast lives. I'm always just pursuing more knowledge on how to run an effective online business and get better with that. And I have different thematic seasons and things. Um, I actually, funny enough on the day that we're recording, I just, posted uh, an article on Story Brand where I basically broke down at least like 10, 10 of Donald Miller's resources and boil it down into one single article. Mm-hmm. So that would be a really, really great, great spot for your audience to start. If you want to connect with me more per, or on a professional level, alivecreative.com would be the best place to go. That's our agency. And we basically... Um, have turnkey solutions to get your podcast up and running. We work with a lot of different businesses and some different verticals, or we offer just general consulting. So if it's something that you want to do yourself, but you're kind of sick of browsing YouTube and a bunch of Quora questions, like you can (laughs) talk to me and my team and we can answer them like about a million times faster. So. Awesome. One of those one of those two spots. It's funny you mentioned Cora, Jeff, because I've I've been on Cora for quite a few years.
1: Back when I was in the mortgage industry, I got on and started to answer questions and I and I really enjoyed it and had some good some good traffic from it. And then now lately with the podcast world, I've been doing the same thing and yeah, there's there are a ton of questions about podcasts on there. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it
0: has yeah, been fun. Yeah, it's awesome. We but, we do a lot of our research there figuring out what people actually need and things. So yeah, good place to start, but it is hard when you're getting so many different opinions on a variety of topics compared to just going to one source and getting all the answers you need.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, great stuff, Jeff. Um, and, and yeah, thank you for being on, uh, on with me and, uh, for sharing so much with, with folks and I'll have those links to you in our show notes, of course. Um, so yeah, thanks for making time, man. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no, this was good. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Man, that was incredible. Great information and insight and advice from Jeff. Thank you, Jeff Large, for joining us on the Storytellers Network. Be sure to visit Jeff online. Uh, Those links that he mentioned are in the show notes. Uh, You can find them on social media as well. So good stuff there. And speaking of social media, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it all over the place. Tag us, tag me, tag Jeff. Uh, Share it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat. Write it on a post-it note and mail it. Whatever you want to do. Uh, reach new storytellers, and speaking of reach new, reaching new storytellers, leaving a review helps that as well uh, Apple I, Apple podcast, iTunes, whatever you want to call it. Uh, those reviews are extremely helpful in fact uh, here 's a review from clark bar eighty four Thanks Brian. Uh, we all want to leave a great legacy behind us before we leave this earth. The best way to do this is through the power of story. Dan Well does an incredible job sharing powerful stories right to your earbuds, uh, so thank you very much for that, man. I, I do appreciate it. And and that's, that's my hope is that we are sharing powerful stories. So, so leave a review and maybe I'll, I'll read yours on the next one. So there you go. So thanks again for joining me today on the storytellers network until next time. Here's to telling our stories and having stories to tell. Cheers.